episode of the main break. We are really, really happy this week. Uh, my colleagues, Justin McAlevese and Brian Allen, uh, really happy to welcome Brett Gasper to the show. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Nick. That's good. How are you, Brett? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for, thanks for the invite. Always good to have a chat and talk soccer. Yeah, so I guess speaking of soccer, I mean, it's been a bit of a strange time, obviously, stop-start season with coronavirus and um, the South West Association's had to pull the pin. What's what's the plan now, I guess, for, for, for next season with um, Warnable Wolves? It sounds like the club's obviously, you know, building momentum and have, has a lot of members, both, you know, kids, men, uh, women. Um, yeah, what's the sort of forward-thinking now? Um, we still haven't given up on... on doing something um, for our juniors for the rest of the season. Um, we'll be all dependent on uh, the easing of the lockdown restrictions and then getting council permission to use the facility again. But um, we're hopeful that we can continue to deliver some sort of training for the kids, um, especially you know, while they're doing homeschooling and things like that. It's harder for them to get their exercise and things in. So we'd like to try and offer something that uh, can continue their education in a soccer sense as well as you know, get out and about and have a, a run around. So we haven't given up all hope on that for our juniors in our mini rooms. Um, and then we'll start to focus on next year. And it's been an incredibly challenging year and you know, the uncertainties and everything that, um, that go with it. Uh, and you know, not just in a soccer sense, but you know, the coronavirus, you know, the impact it's had on the world. This has been a, a horrible thing. But um, yeah, from a sporting perspective, it's been an extremely challenging year. What are your numbers sort of looking like at the club, Brett? Um, soccer's obviously known in Australia for probably being quite a high participation sport. Yeah, well, uh, once again, it's the highest uh, participation rate of any sport in the country. Uh, we're starting to see the numbers, like most things, it takes a, a bit longer to filter down at uh, the regional areas, but we've certainly seen growth. We've had a, a second under 14 team um, take the pitch this season, and our Mingaroos numbers were strong again. So, um, the game is certainly on the rise. I think one of the other things that's been really beneficial for our club this year, um, for the last you know, sort of 18 months probably, has been um, the introduction of Western United to the A-League. They've been absolutely fantastic um, with their engagement with the clubs in the southwest and the opportunities that they've presented to us. So we're all uh, looking forward to, to seeing them in action on Wednesday night in the finals. With a bit of luck for them, they'll make it through the grand final on the weekend. Yeah, that'd be a ripper first season, wouldn't it? I've seen on your Facebook page there, Brett, that um, yeah, you've been uh, celebrating Western United's uh, successes, but also reflecting on some of your involvement with them in the past. Um, I noticed one of the, uh, or maybe one occasion, you were able to bring some uh, members of the, your club to one of the games or an ex- exhibition game, perhaps? As I said, their, their engagement has been really good and they, they pride themselves on being a club of the West and that's not just the West of Melbourne, but the whole, you know, the Western part of the stage from the, the Westgate Bridge across. Um, yeah, we've had a couple of engagements like that. That particular photo that you're referring to was uh, up in Ballarat towards the end of the, um, last year. And, um, yes, all, all clubs from the region um, a parade before the game out on the pitch and walking around, but we also had, well, they, they invited us uh, to participate uh, in one of their fixtures at, um, at Kidney Park, 
like against Melbourne City, and we had uh, kids playing half-time, kids were ball kids, uh, mascots and, and everything, just you know, once in a lifetime sort of opportunity. So uh, it's really great for the sport down here to get that type of recognition from a, a national team. It's really great. Brett, I, I'm obviously Justine touched on the participation numbers in soccer and they, they seem to be really healthy. I, one of the things that we've, uh, yeah, obviously uh, got from talking to lots of uh, different leaders in different sports, in junior sport in particular, is about uh, player retention. And uh, some are worried or have expressed worry about being able to retain players, um, uh, you know, because of the pandemic uh, causing seasons to stop this year, but the worry is that the players won't come back next season because they may have lost interest or want to try a different sport. Uh, do you have any concerns about uh, player retention in, for your club? I think it's an ongoing challenge for all sports every year anyway. I think you know, particularly um, at our club at the 16 level and across the league it's reflected where you start to see um, the numbers start to, to fall off. Now, whether that's um, kids have taken up uh, casual employment or whether they have lost interest or they've found another sport. Um, you know, one of the, the things that we talk about at the committee and with the coaches and everything is to, to make sure that anybody that comes to our club, um, we try and give them the best possible experience, make it a welcoming environment that we really help them and try and deliver programs and um, keep them enthused, keep them interested and they can really develop so that we're doing everything that we can to try and retain our players in that sense. Mm. And just one more for me, mate. Uh, the one thing I noticed last summer was that you had... Uh, we got a photo of you in, in cricket gear. I think you were with the, the Merivale Cricket Club uh, last season. Are you interested in getting the pads on again? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly am. Like anybody that, uh, that likes their sport, itching to get involved in something. Uh, yeah, that, that came about... Uh, we share, obviously, we share Harris Street with Maribel Creek Club. So, um, you know, moving from Geelong a few years back um, to Warrnambool, I didn't really know uh, where I'm interested in playing cricket, even if I knew that the link between uh, Maribel Cricket Club and, and Wolves was an easy one for me to make. So, uh, we had uh, uh, the senior coach from last year, Jeremy Burgess, his son uh, plays with our juniors. So, Um, and my boys got to the age where, all right, it's time for you guys to 
play a sport what do you want to play and neither of them were particularly interested in either of those two sports we said well what do you want to play then and they both said they wanted to have a go at soccer so um, you know we came from uh, a non-soccer background at all and got involved with the club the boys had an absolutely great time and, and like a lot of people you, know, you start to volunteer and pick up a, a few bits and pieces and then yeah, before you know it you, you become the president so um, you know, it's been a Rapid rise, I suppose, and a very steep learning curve. But um, we absolutely love the sport. It's just fantastic. I wish I had uh, had the opportunity to play when I was a kid. So, do you play yourself now, Brett, or are you mostly consumed with the, the off-field type of role? Uh, well, I, I did do pre-season with the, the senior team. I'm, I'm almost a if required sort of player. I don't have any expectations on game time and stuff. But it's just so good being involved in team sport, having a run around with the boys and a great bunch of guys. Um, and yes, yeah, if, if I can get a few minutes here and there, that's all well and good. I actually got the opportunity to um, to play some pre-season games with my son this year and moved up to the senior. So you know, those sort of um, special moments are, are things that you really enjoy. Right, just curious to ask, obviously the women's side of soccer is something which is I guess going gangbusters at the moment, participation-wise, and also the success of the Matildas has probably helped to that. Um, and getting the, 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 the World Cup to Australia as well was probably a big win for women's, women's football or soccer. I mean, uh, do you expect that to, I guess, create even more interest at a local level, having such a strong presence on the international stage? Absolutely. Uh, I really hope that. That is the case um, that with the exposure that they will get as a result of this, whether they're, they're young girls watching it and aspiring to be future Matildas or um, you know, whether they're teenagers and, and just came to have a go, I really hope that that does happen. I think one of the benefits um, of the league down here, um, because of numbers, um, our juniors are all mixed, so the boys play with the girls. I actually really think that that holds the girls in, in really good stead if they have got some ability to you know, future other pathways because they're, they're used to playing against the boys, um, you know, physically and whatever, that the games are probably a little bit harder. And, um, yeah, I really hope we do see that. We've seen, um, well, this year we had the first women's um, league, so you know, all these things with the big road boys really couldn't have come at a worse time. There's so many good things happening. But, um, yeah, we're hopeful that the women's league will continue to grow. There were talks about having the second season towards the end of this year, but um, with all the uncertainty, I don't know whether that will or, or won't happen. But um, yeah, certainly at our club, um, the female side of the game is uh, a real focus for us and something we really want to push. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly a, a, a spot there for the girls and uh, it's something that's a little bit untapped, I think. Uh, Brett, it's just Brian here again. Uh, I wanted to pick up on something you mentioned before about you growing up with footy and cricket. I, I'm kind of interested in your history there. Who did you play with at, at, in both sports? Um, so I was uh, I grew up in Geelong and um, played with a few clubs locally there. Um, you know, club, well, the first club I played at, I they're no longer around, unfortunately. But, um, I played with a few clubs in Geelong until I sort of made my way up into the seniors. And the last uh, club I played with there was Alexander Thompson, but um, the last team on, on turf anyway, I didn't play for Colin Dina 
down in Ocean Grove, but uh, it's been a long time uh, since I've played. I, I went and played a season in England and then uh, came back. From there, I'd always done you know, what I never thought I would have wanted to do with cricket. I played the season in England and that was fantastic and came back and I lost a little bit of interest, I suppose. And you know, That's why uh, I guess I had such a big gap between playing and you know, kids come along, life gets in the way, I suppose. But, um, that's when last year was really good and sort of a, a rejuvenated um, you know, passion for the game, I guess. And, you know, to just go out and, and enjoy myself was really good. Off the field too, you're obviously a very busy Brit. Um, as you said, you've got you've got children and work obviously takes a, a large chunk of your life. Um, so you're a train driver for V-Line, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, yeah, shift work, which is hard enough, least uh, of the best times, but um, yeah, it can make things difficult with juggling. Um, I've been fortunate enough this year through um, a colleague's illness and, and injury, I suppose, that I've been able to work all afternoon shift, which suits me personally, but it makes it quite difficult for you know, obviously can't get to soccer trainings and um, you know, makes it hard to schedule committee meetings and, and things like that. But uh, no different to anybody else in that sense. Everybody's got a lot on their plate and you know, trying to juggle and do the best they can. So how did you um, get into that field of work, Brett? Uh, I've got a very varied background with work. I've done quite a few uh, different things. Um, I, it was just a, one of those right places at the right time, I guess. I was just happened to be looking for a change in my employment and saw that they were advertising for train drivers. And I thought that would be a, a good job and something that I think I would enjoy. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to get through all the screening process and um, start as a trainee, uh, train driver with Metro Trains. And 73 weeks of um, extremely tough training later on, I got handed the keys to... Um, be a train driver fully qualified, so uh, I did that for seven and a half years with Metro before I got myself a transfer over to V-Line, and you know, while I was in class um, at V-Line, the position came up down here in Warrnambool, and uh, our family and I both all thought that uh, that'd be something that we would enjoy, and we'd really embraced uh, being down here and the lifestyle that goes with it. So what does your shift sort of entail? Like, do you go to Melbourne and back in a day, or what's the sort of general... Just there. So it depends on um, what shift you're on. They're sort of all made up a little bit different. So if you're on the, the train uh, that goes first thing in the morning, you have to do a train preparation. So you go for all your safety checks, make sure everyone's working the way that it's supposed to be, um, which you know, takes a, a fair bit of time that people probably don't realise, I suppose. But that uh, means they can leave Warrnambool um, Station now that the train's all good for service and ready to go. So. Uh, we run up to Moore Ponds Monday to Friday, that's what we do, and have a quick meal break there and turn around and come back. And that, uh, by the time you run around the locomotives, because uh, they're not a lot of velocity yet, uh, all that stuff takes a bit of time. By the time you get back, your eight hours is almost done. So uh, doing the afternoon shift that I do, um, we run around the locomotive at the platform there, you run it up to Moore Ponds, have a quick meal break, come back, and then I shut it down and everything. So... Um, yeah, that's, that's the extent of, of the shift. Uh, Brett, it's Brian here again. I, I just wondered, um, with the, the soccer season, so obviously um, the juniors went ahead for four rounds and then had to come to a halt. Um, and, yeah, I was I, I did a couple of stories with the club and 
and the league. I, I just wondered, from your perspective as a club president, um, you know, was that experience worth it of getting those four games in, um, at least getting something and, and, and some play on the park? So I probably suppose the best way to give you the background on that, when Football Victoria released their guidelines um, once we came out of that first lockdown, we had called a committee meeting to, you know, first of all, to see whether we could comply with those guidelines and whether we thought um, it was worthwhile. Basically, as a committee, we decided that we we purely exist to you know, put football on the pitch. So um, we just had to figure out a way to, to go about it. That it was going to be challenging. Um, certainly, a, a total change to you know, the philosophy around the club because normally you're encouraging people to be around the club, and here you are with all these um, guidelines that you have to abide by, and you're telling parents to stay in cars or you know, drop the kids off and you know, come back at the end of the session, sort of thing. But um, so yeah, we we just thought that that's what we're here for. So then that's what we'll try and do. Um, it was great for them to, to get four rounds in, and you know, really challenging for all the clubs. It was, um, obviously, the, the cases in Coalac, which affected Karangamite, and they decided to sit out a couple of rounds. And um, you know, then there were some cases in Portland, so there's huge concerns um, starting to be raised from the clubs and above the league. And, and the clubs did a really good job in being flexible with the fixtures. I mean, I think the last uh, two rounds we played different opposition um, because of teams uh, standing out and whatever, but um, we were still able to get meaningful fixtures in. Um, I think that's all you can do. I mean, I think, well, the feedback I've got from parents and players you know, is about how appreciative they are that we did everything we could. Um, we abided by the guidelines to try and keep everybody safe. And I think that's all you can do. I mean, the, you know, the number of cases and stuff is out of our hands. We can't control that. So we tried to control the things internally that we could. Um, yeah, we gave it a, a really good crack, and like I said earlier, I mean, we're still hopeful of offering something for our juniors and, and finishing off their big areas as well. So, um, yeah, it, look, it's just it's tough on everybody. It's been a super hard year on, on all clubs. You, know, you, you look at sponsorships and um, loss of canteen revenue and those types of things. Clubs are going to take a hit this year. There's no doubt. It's been been super tough, but uh, you know, to get something out of the season, that you know, it's certainly been worthwhile. Right, just curious, it's um, a bit of a big question, this one, but um, in terms of what, um, you know, the position, I guess, soccer or football is in currently, what do you see as the biggest challenges for the sport in Warrnambool and the biggest opportunities? Um, well, I suppose we're no different to, you know, the rest of the state crying out for, for more facilities, and that's, that's probably the thing, um, you know, holding back, you know, formation of new clubs and things like that because a lot of the infrastructure, um, as I said earlier, with my background growing up, it was footy and cricket and you know, there's no shortage of the footy and cricket grounds but there's a shortage of, of soccer facilities I and mean, we've got a, a dedicated soccer pitch um, now at Arrow Street Rangers are on a, a cricket ground now, which probably isn't ideal for them um, and the fact that you need a pitch to, you know, to play on, you need the goals and and whatever. Um, I think there's certainly the numbers already at a junior level um, for the formation of another club in Warrnambool. Um, I've spoken with council about their their visions and, and things like that. They recognise that soccer's on the on the march, but um, yeah, it's all that that type of thing. And then you need the people passionate enough to um, you know, take it by the horns and, and run with it. And, um, 
challenge. I don't think um, you know, getting players and, and the interest is going to be an issue, but I think facilities will probably be the biggest challenge in the short term. I know you mentioned a bit before about Western United's rise and I guess the, the, their prominence and their support and that being it's good at that elite level. Do you see it as important that the A-League continues to, um, I guess, press on and, um, I guess, keep generate that interest at a national level for things to sort of filter down through the ranks to the community level and grassroots sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the differences between, um, you know, soccer and Aussie rules and, and cricket, I suppose. Um, so many of the kids grow up and, you know, you, You've got access to leagues all over the world. You know, so many of them know all the players, Premier League and stuff. But I certainly think as an A-League member and as somebody that loves going to games, that it's an underutilised um, you know, sport at that level in this country. I, I think that um, you know, I'd love to see more bums on seats at games. I think that's certainly a challenge um, for all the clubs, uh, the A-League and uh, Football Federation of Australia, to try and... Um, you know, encourage uh, more support at that level um, because when you go to the games and you've actually got access to the players and stuff like that you don't have these overseas players it's all, all good to have you know, um, you know, videos and watch Messi and Ronaldo and whatever but you know, we've got access to, to these players you know, they've come down to the club and like I said before about interactions at, at A-League level so um, there's certainly a lot of challenges facing um, yeah, soccer, like most sports, especially off the back of this, there's not going to be as much sponsorship money floating around and stuff, but it's really, um, really going to be a difficult and challenging time. They're going to have to probably think outside the box a little bit and, and see what they can come up with. But um, yeah, I, I really hope that the A-League can, can rise. And certainly at our club now, um, you, know, you hear the kids talking about the, the Western United players. I know who they are. And, um, yeah, that's certainly a great step forward in that respect. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Brett. We've um, you know, covered a lot of bases there and it's been interesting to hear your story um, from your childhood and your career and obviously the impact you're having at the Warrnambool Wolves now. So we really appreciate you joining us on the main road this week. Uh, no worries, guys. Thanks very much for the invitation. Always good to have a chat. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.